Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. You would turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 13. Genesis chapter 13. Um, we're continuing in our series on the life of Abraham. Uh, I, I, I'm, I keep catching myself. I want to say Abraham because that's how we know him. But before he was Abraham, he was Abram until God changed his name. Um, we're, we're doing our series on, on uh, Abram and the, and the life of Abram. And uh, at the beginning there of uh, chapter 12, we saw how God promised Abram a couple of things. He promised him that he was going to bless him. Right? And he was going to bless those who bless him and curse those who curse them. He, he, was, he was going to give him a land. And uh, then we, and Abram, okay, Abram was uh, responded to the promise of God by building altars. Right? And, and what's the big deal there, right? Uh, let's, I'll remind you. So. Um, but at the time, it, the text tells us that the Canaanites were in the land. But God tells him, I'm going to give you this land. Well, God tells him he's going to give him a land that's inhabited already, right? But in spite of that, Abram has faith in God. He has faith. And so even though the land is inhabited by the Canaanites, Abram goes around and he's building altars. He's saying, it may look like this land belongs to the pagans, but I'm going to build an altar and I'm going to worship God. I'm going to call on the name of the Lord even in the midst of this pagan land. Right? We can think about that even the way we live now. We live in a world that is hostile to believers. We live in a world that's full of the Canaanites. But we're going to build an altar. We're going to meet together and worship the Lord. We are like that churches and believers are like little embassies of the kingdom of God ready to break in. And then we see this, this great faith that Abram had followed by the next half of the chapter where Abram just totally messes up. Abram looked really bad last week as we, as we met together, as we looked at the story. He pawned his wife off as his sister. And on all the implications of that, he was benefiting financially from his wife being taken into the harem of Pharaoh. Like, really bad. Abram looked really bad. Yet, in the midst of his sin, the Lord delivered him. He sent plagues on Pharaoh. Sound familiar? Sent plagues on Pharaoh, and so they were able to be released, and they went back up into Canaan, where we leave, where we pick up tonight. In Genesis chapter three, beginning in verse one, it says, "So Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and Lot with him, into the Negev." Now Abram was very rich in livestock in silver and in gold. And he journeyed on from the, uh, from the Negev 
as far as Bethel to a place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai, to the place where he had made an altar at the first. And there Abram called upon the name of the Lord. And Lot, who went with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents, so that the land could not support both of them dwelling together. For their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdmen, herdsmen of Lot's livestock. At that time, the Canaanites and the Perizzites were dwelling in the land. Then Abram said to Lot, Let there be no strife between you and me, and between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, for we are kinsmen. Is it not the whole land before you? Separate yourself from me. If you take the left hand, then I'll go to the right. Or if you take the right hand, then I'll go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and saw that the Jordan Valley was well watered everywhere, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt in the direction of Zoar. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself all the Jordan Valley, and Lot journeyed east. Thus they separated from each other. Abram settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled among the cities of the valley and moved his tent as far as Sodom. Now, the men of Sodom were wicked and sinner, great sinners against the Lord. The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes and look to the place where you are. Northward and southward, eastward and westward, for all the land that you see, I will give to you and to your offspring forever. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth, so that if one can count the dust, the dust of the earth, your offspring also can be counted. Arise, walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. So Abram moved his tent and came and settled by the oaks of Mamre, which are at Hebron. And there he built an altar to the Lord. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we thank you for your word. Feed us by your word. Lord, we need your word to grow. Lord, we need your word to sanctify us, to make us holy. Father, we need your word, and Lord, we pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Father, we pray that, Lord, you would not allow these words just to sit there on the page, but Lord, that you would grip us with your word. Lord, we pray that your word would be like a sword to us. Lord, that it would do surgery upon our hearts, even tonight. Father, we... Pray, Lord, that you would work in our hearts. Lord, give me grace and strength as I preach your word in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first thing we see, Abraham went up from Egypt. Um, so it's kind of telling us here, uh, this is where we left off, right? 
This is where we left off. It's, it's kind of like uh, those old episodes of Batman you ever see from the 60s, right? Uh, this is where we left off, uh, right? Whenever, and, and what's going to happen now, right? Um, I didn't do a good job of describing that, but uh, you get the picture. This is where we left off. So Abram went up from Egypt. He, he was down in Egypt when we last saw ba- uh, Batman. <laughs> when we last saw Abram, he was down in Egypt, and he went up from Egypt... He and his wife and all that he had and a lot with him into the Negev. Negev. Now, he's traveling to the Negev, and as I mentioned before, Negev is the Hebrew word for south. It's the southern region there of the Promised Land, of of Israel. And and so he travels up this way from Egypt. And, And it says, Now Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver and in gold. So he was prosperous. God was prospering. He's, he's, um, we see here that the promise to Abraham is already being fulfilled. Right? What did God promise Abraham back in chapter 12? I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you and bless those who bless you and curse those who cursed you. What happened whenever Pharaoh took his wife, took uh, uh, Sarai out of, uh, away from Abram? He got cursed. And so there we see a fulfillment of the promise to Abram. And here, uh, Abram, he's, he's a recipient of God's blessing and, and uh, he is being blessed financially. He's being blessed with livestock and silver and gold. He, he's, he's got all kinds. He's prospering. And it tells us here, he journeyed on... How does he carry all that stuff with him, right? You might wonder that. How does he carry all that stuff with him? He's got other people along too. And he journeyed on from the Negev as far as Bethel. So the Negev is down in the southern part. And Bethel would be up a little bit above where the the Dead Sea is, if anybody knows your geography. So he's traveling up as far as Bethel. And it tells us here, to the place where he had made an altar at the first. This is important. Okay? He, he returned back to Bethel, and, and, and this is, is also important because later we see Abram's descendants build altars there at, at Bethel as well. They go there, and they're very significant and important places where, where they worship the Lord. Uh, Abram goes there to Bethel to the same place where he was before, and he, where he had built an altar, and what does he do? He does the same thing he did before. He cries out to the Lord. So, he's rich, he's prospering, and he travels to the place where he had worshipped God before, and he worships Him again. We want to be, I'm not really one for saying, Abraham was this way and we need to be like Abraham, but this is actually an example we want to follow. When God blesses us, or even whenever we, we don't appear to sense the blessing of God. We worship Him. We worship Him. Um, Then, He tells us, And Lot, who went with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents, so that the land could not support both of them dwelling together. So not only was God blessing Abram, He was blessing Lot too. Lot was going along with him. And God had promised Abram would have blessing. And so Lot was aligned with Abram 
traveling along with him. He was part of the household of Abram, and he was receiving the blessings too. Right? That's a good thing. And, and, and I think um, the biblical author here, as we think on this, this, uh, the life of Abram, we need to remember, he, he's telling us, we need to remember if we want to be blessed, we need to line ourselves up with Abram. We need to line ourselves up with the faith that Abram had. Well, Lot, he's receiving all these blessings. He's receiving all this prosperity, and it causes a problem. You know, sometimes prosperity brings problems. <laughs> right? We think, oh, I want, if only I had stuff, everything would be right, right? But that isn't the way how it goes, right? They, they get all kinds of prosperity they've got. Servants they've got, livestock they've got, silver they've got, gold, and they've got problems. Uh, they they um, they come. They're traveling together, and the, the their prosperity is so great that the land can't support them dwelling together. So it tells us there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of the, of Lot's livestock. It seemed like Abram and Lot were getting along fine. But their shepherds, the ones who were working for them, the ones who were keeping their livestock, they were having some strife here. Right? Uh, the, the prosperity was bringing some, some strife between these shepherds. And so, and then it reminds us, at that time, the Canaanites and the Perizzites were dwelling in the land. Again, the author here keeps reminding us of that. Back whenever Abram was traveling around before in chapter 12, he tells us the Canaanites were in the land. And here, he's, he's repeating again, giving us emphasis. The Canaanites and the Perizzites were dwelling in the land. Right? What did Abram do before when the Canaanites were in the land? He built altars. He had faith that God was going to give him that land. And here, just picture as the, as the Israelites getting ready to pro- cross into the promised land are hearing this after Moses writes it down. Okay, I may be getting a little confusing here. But as, as, the, as the Israelites hear this, as, as they're getting ready to cross, pro- cross into the promised land, they're remembering God promised to give this land to Abram whenever it was inhabited by the Canaanites. And right now, it's still inhabited by the Canaanites. And God's going to give us this land. Right? They, the the, the uh, Israelites should, uh, were to kind of identify with Abram here. They were in the same position. They were going to be given this land even though right now it was inhabited by the Canaanites and the Perizzites. Verse 8. So we've got this tension here. This tension, this, this strife that's between Abram's um, herdsmen and Lot's herdsmen. And, and Abram comes up with a solution. He says, let there be no strife between you and me. Between, uh, and between your herdsmen and my herdsmen. For we're kinsmen. Literally there it's saying, we're brothers. Now, we know Abram was uh, Lot's uncle. But the text literally says, we're brothers. They we're that close. Um, he doesn't want to have strife between the two of them. He wants to have some kind of a, a peaceful resolution. And, and, and you know, it reminds me of the text in Romans that tells us 
as far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men, right? As far, sometimes it doesn't depend on us. But if possible, Romans tells us, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. And, and Abram was trying to do this. He was trying to be at peace with his kinsmen here. Abram says, Is not the whole land before us, before you? Separate yourself from me. If you take the left hand, I'll go to the right. Or if you take the right hand, I'll go to the left. Abram was promised the land of Canaan, right? He was promised this, this promised land. He was promised uh, the, the, that he would have that as an eternal inheritance. I don't think that Abram was telling him, go over to Sodom. He, he was saying, you can find land here within Canaan. If you go to the right, then I'll go to the left. And if you go to the left, I'll go to the right. And, and we can dwell together in a way that's peaceful in a resolution like that. But here's what Lot does. Instead, Lot, he lifts up his eyes. He lifts up his eyes and he looks. And he, uh, he looks from the place... Oh, I'm sorry. He saw that the Jordan Valley was watered everywhere like the garden of the Lord. He looks over there and he sees, oh, this is good land. This is good land. I want some of that. He sees, he sees that this land is prosperous. It's, it's, uh, it's fertile. It's got great crops. It's like the garden of the Lord. He's saying, this is like the garden of Eden. And he wants that. It's like Egypt. Now at this point, um, the only thing we know so far about Egypt in this story is that Abram went down there because there was a famine and that's where he got food. But we don't have a description of Egypt yet. But the Israelites, as they were getting ready to cross into the promised land, they knew about Egypt. They knew how great and rich that it was. And so uh, that, that makes sense. As, as Moses was writing this, that he would say, it's like Egypt. His original audience knew what he was talking about. And also, he's kind of giving some foreshadowing. Moses wrote the first five books. He wrote uh, Exodus as well. Um, and so we're intended to probably read this over and over and over again and meditate on it because he's writing, he's mentioning things that don't come until later. Right? It's, we don't just read through this and just, oh, I read it, I'm done. But we read through it over and over and over again because we come to things like this that's mentioning things that don't come until later. It's designed that way. So, Lot lifted up his eyes and saw that the Jordan Valley was watered everywhere like the Garden of Eden, like the land of Egypt in the direction of Zoar. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Again, here, here's another example. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. It, it doesn't happen until later. It doesn't happen until chapter 19. But here he's mentioning it. He expects the reader to understand something happens to Sodom and Gomorrah. So he expects us to read it over and over and meditate on the Scripture. So when we come to this, we know what he's talking about. When he says, this was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. 
So Lot chose for himself the Jordan Valley. And Lot journeyed east. Notice that. Lot journeyed east. It's never a good thing when somebody goes east in these chapters. What happened whenever Adam and Eve sinned and they were cast out of the garden? They went east. What happened after Cain killed Abel? He went east. After the flood, whenever the people were, go- were going and they started to build the tower uh, that would reach the heavens, they were traveling east. And what did Lot do? He was traveling east. This is not a good sign. So Lot, instead of picking a location within the promised land where he could dwell and be under the influence of Abram and under the influence of the blessing of Abram, he sees that good land over there. He sees those greener pastures, as we often like to call them. And he says, I want that over there. I want the good land over there. You know, but we also have this foreshadowing. We know what happens there. You know what happens to Zoar and Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities there. It was full of wickedness. The text tells us now, while Lot settled among the cities of the valley and moved his tents far as Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked, great sinners against the Lord. Instead of setting his tents within the land that was going to be promised to Abram, Lot, instead, he, he pitches his tent towards Sodom. The land that's full of great sinners against the Lord. We have a choice. Are we going to align ourselves with the blessing of Abraham? Or are we going to align ourselves with the great sinners of Sodom? When we look at our world today, we can be tempted to get the good land. We want to get the biggest houses, right? The fastest cars. We want to get the big bank accounts. We want to trust in what money can buy. But Abram here, he just says, Lot, you take what you want and I'll give the rest. Lot had no concern, or Abram had no concern for his own, whatever he would take. He knew that God was going to bless him. He knew that God was going to provide for him. We don't, want, we don't want to be like Lot and just reach after what we can get in the moment. Because what we can get in the moment is sometimes empty and fleeting. And it's going to leave us in a heap of trouble. Verse 14. So they split ways. Verse 14. The Lord said to Abram after Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes and look to the place where you are northward and southward, eastward and westward, for all the land that you see I will give you into your offspring forever. Here, the Lord uh, repeats and expands on the promise that He had already got given in Genesis 12. Genesis 12, God promised, He says, I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great I will, you will, so that you'll be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and, and him who dishonors you. I will curse and you all the families of the earth will be blessed. That's God's promise there. 
And included in that Oh, uh, and uh, I'm sorry, if you follow along until verse 7, it says, to your offspring I'll give this land, right? But he doesn't say anything about how many offspring he's going to have or anything like that. Here, he repeats the promise and he expands on it. Here, when, when Lot goes and he takes all the good land, God speaks to Abram and he encourages him and he says, you look everywhere you look. Everywhere you look. You, you look. you go up on a high mountain, you look all around to the north, to the south, to the east, to the west. Everything you see, it's going to be yours, Abram. He's encouraging Abram. He's reminding him, I'm going to be faithful to my promise. I'm going to give you this land. And he tells him, to you and your offspring forever. He's expanding on that promise. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth, so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring can also count, be counted. He tells them, not only are you going to have offspring that I'm going to give this land to, but they're going to be so plentiful. And, and we know that his, his offspring become great nations. Ishmael, who, who uh, was the father of, of the Ishmaelites, and, and, and we think of also the, the Arab people today. And Israel, uh, the Jewish people. But not only those, not only those, well, even, even within Genesis, you've got Jacob and Esau, who Jacob is the one who has the line of promise, and Esau, he becomes the father of the Edomites. Many nations are coming from Abram. And as we look at the Romans passage that Johnny read from, all those who believe in Jesus are the children of Abram. Because we have the faith like Abram had. When you, when you consider uh, that, as kids, we, we, we often sang the song, Maybe they don't sing it anymore, but us older people can remember it. We sang, Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them. You know, literally, it really doesn't make sense to sing that unless we're Jewish. <laughs> but as believers, we can sing that because in Abram, all those who have faith in Jesus have Abraham as our father. This promise that he writes... Um, he, he says, I will, um, I, I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth so that if one can count the dust of the earth so your offspring can be counted. We are offspring of Abram if we have faith in Jesus. And it's not just the land of Canaan that he's giving, but he's giving us the whole earth. Again, we think of, of the Sermon on the Mount. What does he say to... The, to uh, uh, what does Jesus say in the Sermon on the Mount? But the meek... I think that's talking about believers. The meek shall inherit the earth. One of these days, Jesus is going to come back. He's going to wipe away every tear from every eye. He's going to come in judgment and He's going to separate the, the just from the unjust and, and those who are believers in Him will one day reign with Him and we're going to inherit the new heavens and the new earth. 
where there will no longer be any sickness, sadness, crying, no more pain, no more sickness, no more death. Verse 17, Arise, walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. And Abram moved his tent and came and settled by the oaks of Mamre. Again, as I mentioned a couple weeks ago, the oaks. What are these oaks? Why, why, why does the text tell us he came and settled by a tree? <laughs> these, these oaks are talking about the place where the, the pagans worship. They, they had like totem poles and things like that. This is what, this is what it's talking about. Uh, this place of pagan worship. He settled in this place, and what did he do? He built an altar to the Lord. Again, same point we saw a couple weeks ago. This land is inhabited by Canaanites. This land is inhabited by the pagans. And what's Abraham do? He worships the Lord. He builds an altar. He says, this land is God's land. And he worships the Lord. So how are we going to apply this to us? I've already tried to make a few um, applications here. Again, I'm going to go back to the main one I think that's most relevant here. We live in a land full of pagans, don't we? We live in a land of people who are not worshiping the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We are, not, we are living in a land where people do not yet, who, who people refuse to bow their knee to King Jesus. And what are we going to do in the midst of this land? We're going to live as strangers and aliens, and we're going to live by the rules of our king. We're going to look forward to the day when he comes and he sets all things right. We are just like the, the Israelites were looking forward. They were bound for the promised land. So we long and expect the new heavens and the new earth. Do you desire the new heavens and the new earth? Do you desire the time whenever there's no longer any after effects from COVID? Where <laughs> you can breathe? without any hindrance? Do you long for the time whenever injuries to our knee or to our arm are fixed? We can have full range of motion. Like we never had before. Like it was better than ever was before. We long for when Jesus comes and He makes everything new. The, the promise of the land to come, I think, that points forward to the, the promise we have of the new heavens and the new earth. Uh, we ought to be a people who long for His coming. Who long for the day when He comes and He sets all things right. Our hope is set in heaven and it is accomplished, it is secure because of what Jesus did at the cross. He was the descendant of Abraham. He was the seed of Abraham. He was the, the seed of the woman who crushed Satan's skull. And when we have faith in Jesus, have you trusted in Jesus? When we trust in Jesus, we are inheritors of the same promise. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more
information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.